and welcome to the Dicer Screaming Podcast. <gasps> wow, that, that poor die. What's he going through? <laughs> okay, don't want to know. Yeah. We're going to let that go. Hey, I'm Randy. I'm Mike. Yeah, and both of us knuckleheads form a collective known as the Dicer Screaming Podcast, and we're glad to have you here. So, hey, we start our podcasting day with just telling you guys, great to be here and great to be around this time. Wow. So a lot of things happening uh, in the world and around us and uh, looking like a little bit better, but... Um, yeah, and we still... took some inspiration uh, from current events, uh, this this episode, which... Uh, the kimono, yeah, albeit smoky, is still closed. But we, we took some, in, in, some honest uh, inspiration from a discussion that others were having, and that's what is going to drive today's episode. Yeah, so yeah. Not it's... letting it out of the bag yet. The kimono is still firmly clamped shut. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, just want to say that uh, our friends over at uh, Twitter have been giving me plenty of likes and follows and lots of inspiration. Sean at Troop Games. He's at uh, at Kobold space Cavalier with a K. And Charlie at NPC at NPC Creations. And DM Tom at Frontier Maps. Wow, what great uh, folks there are out on uh, D&D Twitter, gaming Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Man, just a lot of good folks out there doing great stuff. And man, such inspiring things from DM Tom and his map, Frontier Maps. I can't recommend them enough. Uh, you know, just if you ever need a map in these times, we were just talking about miniatures and things like that. Wow, did he just right, just suddenly just appear on my list. So I don't know if he heard our podcast or you follow us, DM Tom, but you should. No, no it, just, it was like chaos butterfly thing, you know. Yeah, he may have just blown in. Just, you know, I, little chaos magic at work and like you you bespoke it and it came into being yep bonk dropped into your lap so yeah we want to thank you all for uh giving us a little shout outs and likes and follows we appreciate that and uh, of course paying it forward here yeah mike mentioned right at the front that uh we're talking about another podcast here on anchor spotify network the zone of hot truth <laughs> and also at zone of hot truth on twitter you can follow those folks uh, apparently there are uh, four cats that uh, they meet before their game. They do about a 15-minute podcast, other than like rambling like us to old farts who don't know what we're talking about half the time. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you can expect no less than that from the, the podcast on gaming that actually snuck in and taught your dogs to eat your homework before game day. Uh, or your module, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I showed up, uh, dog ate my module, so I guess we're running two more horrors again. Rocks fall, you all die. Okay, <laughs> thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. The gaming podcast will tell you bad habits and <laughs> poor excuses. Okay. So speaking of those things, um, no, Zona Hot Truth had a terrific topic. Oh, you know, I was going to go into some else, but yeah, and, you know, we don't have we don't have to bring it up yet, but like. Yeah, we got some call-ins from we're, Jason. We're, uh, we're going to launch call-ins first, and then we'll we'll get to the actual topic. Right, so we're going to cover some uh, call-ins. I'm talking about bad habits. Call-in, Jason. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Uh, give us two quick shout-outs, so uh, we're going to play them both here. So take it away, Jason. Hey, guys. Jason here. Just want to say, great job on the big three. Can't wait to hear the Battlestar Galactic episode. Talk to you later. Actually... I'm a little surprised you didn't go more in-depth, although it would have taken the show over length, in some of the controversies around Heinlein 
or I, I know I'm probably saying his name wrong, but man, I I think I've read all his books, and yeah, he definitely. But but you you presented it perfectly. I'm not trying to you know blow smoke up the kimono there, but you know that science fiction's job is to challenge us, and he definitely challenged us. And he said, "Your worldview. Wait a minute. Look at it this way." You know, and he did a great job at it. And some of his stories were stinkers, and some of the stories don't hold up these days, you know, <coughs> free, Farnham's Freehold. <coughs> but realistically, most of his stories really do hold up, as do all these guys and gals, which is what's so amazing is how many of these older stories really still have presence today. So thank you. All right. Hey, thanks, Jason. Yeah, glad you enjoyed that. It was a labor to bring this out, but uh, we'll get back to that in a minute. On the Battlestar thing, you know what? I was kind of half-joking, but I think that uh, me and Mike will come to some accord on there. I will probably uh, lean a little bit to the second one. Not that I hate the first one, but Mike doesn't like the second one as much. But, you know, there are certain things that we like. If we're fair, we're going to cover them all. You know, yeah. Like the, the beginning, uh, you know, the... The craze that ensued, uh, the middle, and then the you know rebirth, uh, and well, you know we're, we're gonna give it the kind of coverage that I think it actually deserves as a series because taken as a whole, I, you know it, it's had a serious science fiction impact and from you know one silly fun show in the eighties that really had more going for it than people thought into this enormous franchise-level event that has, you know, brushed up against a lot of people's science fiction experiences and what they expect from science fiction movies and television. So, yeah, I, I totally think we we have to do an episode on it. You know, I think at some point in time we're just going to have to break down and do an Airwolf episode. Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> All right, stop. I'll say, yeah, that's when we've jumped the shark is when we have to cover Airwolf. All right, but yes, Battlestar Galactica, I think, it, despite Dwight Schrute's uh, love affair. But We're not going to do the $6 million man? No, I probably um, I will never say never, because okay. we'll always find a way to do it. We'd want to do more than just... Uh, Knight Rider? No. Nah. No, you know what? We should do a sci-fi, t a sci-fi TV bundle. Oh, jeez. Just bundle, okay? Just run them all together. Uh, <laughs> get it all out. Just... You know, just have one explosive session where we, we hit the crazy sci-fi moments of television. Yeah, Gen X, you know, the misfits of science then. We'll throw it in Oh, there. oh, good one, dude. All right. Uh, the tragedy that was Manimal. Manimal. <laughs> he can turn into any creature, but he pretty much is always a big cat or a bird. Yep. Yeah, just big cat, hawk, big cat, hawk. Could have turned into an emo. Emo, I'm sorry. <laughs> Never did. Never yeah. did. Could have turned into a turkey. Nope. Uh, not that those are particularly useful unless you really need something to... Could have turned into a savage wolf. Nope. Oh, well, now that would have been awesome, see? Uh, but, yeah, a uh, lot, of, lot of moments of television that deserve at least a moment's notice. 
All right, but, I challenge you on this. If we do do this, it will be more than just a Gen X uh, nostalgia boner. It will be actually, we'll tie in some gaming material. I'll, I'll, I'll compromise on that. We'll have to make it somewhat gaming related. How you could use this and what, if you wanted to play Knight Rider, what game system would be appropriate? Oh my gosh. All right, now that you're like, you've asked a good question there. See, th this is where the episode ideas come from. You know, these random discussions that explode out of the interactions we have with other people. Right, and wow. so thanks, Jason. You just doomed us to <laughs> obscurity and putrid <laughs> nostalgia boners. Ouch. <laughs> the stink of old times lingers oh, hard. Oh, come now. You know, it's, uh, it's cruel. We've been sentenced to the nostalgia mines. <laughs> yeah. Well, hell, we're in good company with half of Hollywood. All right, yeah. so... <laughs> yeah, look, uh, honestly, that thank slap. you. Thank you. Thank you. Because, uh, yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a little bit surly about the degree to which uh, our entire generation is, like, literally being mined for every possible nugget of remake nostalgia. Uh, because, honestly, coming up with something new and investing in it is far too risky for the likes well. of... That's in line with our podcast today, and yeah. also from Jason steering it right back onto the road here. We took a little trip yes. off the weeds. Now the kimono. Or at least the dirt, dirt gravel road. Uh, in true Duke Boys fashion. And them. The, the lawn... <laughs> um, <laughs> the leaf blower is aimed at the lawnmower. <laughs> I mean, sorry, the leaf blower is aimed at the kimono. Uh, <laughs> avert thine eyes. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a Marilyn Monroe. So we pinned so, this back down. Whoa. Completely fluttered, out of control. But um, onto the science fiction. Yeah, it, it was a little hard for us. And I think looking Cat, back at he it, said. yeah, she well, sure did, or he did. Thank you, Michael Scott. Um, it was hard to keep focus on when Hanlon is in the room because he is so controversial. He just literally sucks all the air out of the conversation because of the controversy that people have with the imagined and challenging views that they put on him and to be honest like you said i think that you picked it right out of the out of my mind there's a couple of the freehold and a couple other ones uh that uh, he hit with that yeah they were a little flat friday to me was i enjoyed it okay but I enjoy reading his novelization, but it was cringy in one part that I didn't, I probably, when I was younger, was less open to being upset about. And I think as you mature, that tells the gr a greatness of a writer is that you can still enjoy and find new ways to be challenged and have your expectations reset. Oh, yeah, coming back to the table again and again. You know, Mr. Hanlon is just, he's one of the greats for a reason, and... I, I suppose people fall too often into the trap of thinking that if a thing has been written, then it is being advocated, like, yeah. ardently. That, like, any, any expression of something is an act of advocacy for it. No, it is decidedly not, and that has never really been the case. Uh, but, you know, pushing you past boundaries, man, that was... That was his gift. He just had yep. a wonderful knack for turning things on their ear and at least making you go back and examine the underpinnings that you believed in. 
uh, you know, have a look at it from a fresh perspective. And that's also what I think defines all great 20th century and later science fiction is it gives us a vehicle by which to re-examine things in an environment that puts enough distance between us and it uh, that we can finally, you know, kind of uh, clear the doors of perception, so to speak. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, it, it, down, it does Huxley break down moment. some barriers in with his prose. I think uh, his writing style was more dynamic. I think sometimes um, when people talk about Frank Herbert, which we briefly touched upon, that he, he is a little dry to read. There's not a lot of descriptions. People seem to think that in their mindscape, uh, that uh, there's a look of Dune that he fixated on I, I i don't see it he was very sparse in his detail yeah i i mean the details that creatives filled in the blanks for uh like david lynch yeah you know lynch uh did a fantastic job bringing to life things that i'm gonna be honest were not really fleshed out well yeah uh he didn't describe things. Not and a I lot think, of lavish background. This was not a... You know, Tolkien was the opposite. Okay? Right. And Tolkien was the, the anti-Herbert. I mean, here's a guy who... Like, um, spent a lot be, of time talking about the woods. You, you will be pummeled about the face and head regarding details of things that like were not in any way central to the story, did not necessarily move along the plot. Uh, but you got an, a, an authoritative lecture on every last tidbit of Hobbit lore before you're allowed to move on to anything remotely resembling a book about the uh, Hobbit going to meet a dragon. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, and, and like, and you're right, Mr. Herbert is not like that at all. He Asimov was also very sparse on the details and more on the story. And I think there was a picture. certain workmanship, like, approach to everything Asimov wrote. I mean, that's my opinion. I probably uh, could be challenged in that, but I'm going to stick to this part of it, that he was very thorough, that he was getting directly at a story unlike us. Uh, if he did ramble or go on a tangent, he was very quick to bring it right back and zip it up. Oh, Which yeah, should I, remind us... And Hanlon was not the only one to zip it up. Oh, yeah. We should zip it up and uh, head on to our content. Uh, Hanlon oh. was not the only one taint touched by a bit of scandal. I mean, Arthur C. Clarke had his in yeah, his day. Yeah, he did. Uh, which, I mean, falsely accused by a tabloid. Uh, oh, boy. Which, yeah, those people. Yeah, well, you know, the truth was that uh, he was not quite out as gay. Uh, everybody who knew him personally knew that he was. Right. Uh, and, I mean, he had been, you know, living with the same person for a very lengthy period of time. Uh, but... Since the British tabloids love anything salacious, mm. uh, and he was due for a knighthood, uh, mostly not so much just because of his fiction, but because of his remarkable uh, work regarding rocketry and you know the the eventual requirements. Uh, satellite, yeah, satellites and space flight. You know, he was telemetry. A, then the satellite and uh, making that. He made a lot of things possible. Uh, yeah that honestly led to our advances in spaceflight. So, I mean, while not a rocket man himself, like, for instance, Robert Goddard or Werner von Braun, uh, here was the guy who was the inspirer 
and who understood all of the terminology and sciences involved uh, and was a prime mover in getting things done. So he was due for that knighthood and the tabloids decided to just sink their teeth into him, uh, which all of which was proven to be entirely fraudulent uh, and done out of just malice and the desire to sell papers. Yeah, and a lot of his contemporaries knew this, and but they were also cognizant of the fact that that information would be used against him in certain facets of fandom as well as uh, in the science fiction genre at large because, well, it was that time. So, But he was extremely well-spoken of by his peers. And oh, yeah, he had a long uh, rivalry with Asimov that was pretty jovial. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah, it was a friendly rivalry. Frenemies. Yeah, they they did uh, roast each other quite a bit. Yeah, they loved, they loved to rake each other over the coals over differences of opinion, literarily. But it, it was not as personal as people make it out to be. Of course not. Uh, hey, no. Geez, it wasn't Harlan Ellison. He. Oh, All right. So. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned that little tidbit at that time. Too, hey, guy. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Uh, I, yeah. And you're right. I, we really could have... It, we would cheerfully have gone overtime if we could have. Uh, yeah, so we spent a little time... Three, that, that's hours of material. Well, I get, we get to add a little bit to that, so thank you for that opportunity as well, Jason. Hope you guys enjoyed our little walk in the off the trail on that, or careening path. <laughs> off the rails, down the valley, into the big farm, and then the gas <laughs> refinery. Derailed Kaboom. bullet train. You're like 300 miles an hour. Oh, I wouldn't put us that far. <laughs> Ricky old steam engine. Chugging along. Yeah. All right. Yeah, good. Fair point. I mean, if we could move that fast to begin with, then we'd be a real threat. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so on to our kind of ripping off a topic from Zone of Hot Truth. Yeah, yeah, uh, we are inspired. They came out with a, what do you do during the time when you have a little bit of DM, doldrums, or burnout? How do you push through it? What do you do? And so that's what we're going to talk about in that vein, rather than trying to steal their thunder or work off too much of what they had, because they, they only had 15 minutes. And what yeah. I heard inspired me. I'm going to talk about bringing your best. Yeah, because I, I got to say, I mean, you know, they touched on something that we have only faintly brushed up against in, in the more specific sense. You know, we, we have abutted this conversation in the past, and it's another perfect example of something that deserved a deeper coverage. Uh, because it happens to everybody who DMs sooner or later. You know, there's there's a threshold. Yep. Where... Campaign dysfunction can happen to you. It can happen at any time. <laughs> oh. So That's what do you do? You know, you liven it up with some handcuffs and some lingerie. No, uh, you know, miniatures and maps only go so far. Case of RC Cola and a couple of leather whips. Blood orgy of the atomic fern. Blood orgy of the atomic fern. Yeah, and you can only do that so many times, but yeah. You gotta treat the root cause. And some of the problems are as, I had to get my dead milkman in. Yeah, uh, I, I absolutely sorry. think that's uh, no apropos. day should really go by. Is apropos appropriate? Apropos is that appropriate? I that, don't know. That is apropos. Okay, that's apropos. <laughs> that's apropos. All right. Hey, so what you do is treat some of the problems that you're dealing with in your campaign. Could be just you need to change it up. Yeah, I know. This is an allegory for uh, changing it up in the bedroom, but here we go. You know, um, sometimes you find yourself in a rut and just doing the same thing over and over. If you, Especially if you play often. Like, 
more mayor twice once a week sort of thing with uh, or even just a weekly session. It can come into, you know, this is just what you expect. So doing a little palate cleanser or running a one-off games like Paranoia. Of course, uh, we talk about Paranoia a lot, but uh, we don't end up playing it as much as we talk about it. Hmm. <laughs> but like, like I run a lot of Shadowrun, right? Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does uh, start some fistfights. Shadowrun, Call of Cthulhu, Cyberpunk. You know, yeah. these are great games that can be nailed in one session. Uh, you know, single scenario, just as a palate cleanser, just to break away for a moment, do something different. Because let's be absolutely honest, man. I mean, if you get in a grind. Uh, in a major campaign, and not every DM handwrites all their material. Uh, I, during a very lengthy three-year campaign, handwrote everything, all of it. Every single adventure during that entire three-year span was hand-drafted. Uh, and so I did not have a lot of trouble keeping the energy up, um, per se, because I always felt challenged. I was, I was always under a certain amount of pressure, but if you're operating from say, for instance, fixed material mm -hmm. and you've been working towards this long goal for like six months or nine months, I, yeah, you may need a palate cleanser. You may need a break. And other people who like writing less than I do, uh, may find it exhausting to do the kind of thing I did. It it would be the right. opposite circumstance and for so them. And so bringing your best lets you get back to something that can change it up for you, get kind of that taste out of your mouth and do something different and make you appreciate what, you're, what you have with a regular or a very lengthy focus campaign. And bringing your best also means a few things that I want to touch on is self-care. Now we hear that word a lot in today's society, but I think it's important to remember that it's been around for a long time. You know, making sure you're rested, that you're not frazzled, or if your nerves are shot, or you're just, you know, if life catches us at all sorts of stages, it's okay to take a break and say you need some personal time. Yeah, if you've got a loved one in the hospital and you're under stress, or uh, you haven't been able to devote the time to some of your loved ones that you feel that you ought to, uh, taking some time out is Nothing to be ashamed of, you know. Like the, right, it, it the, helps the whole you bring of adulthood your... is a, like a giant pile of responsibilities, and you know that's all right, man. I mean, that's something that is a badge of honor. That is a thing to be proud of, not ashamed of. Right, but also eating right, and I mean, just keeping your energy up. I'm not going to harp on any dietary <laughs> restriction, but you know, if your breakfast was a piece of pizza that was been laying in the refrigerator for a couple days, I'm out and doing half a pack of camels. Yeah. <laughs> Looking in my mirror here. <laughs> you know, just even Healthily. doing something like a little fresh fruit an hour or two before the game starts and getting that energy level built up that's sustainable, not just, you know, artificially inflated. So, you know, caffeine and we have a lot of energy drinks and things like that. They can they can definitely give you a boost. But you got to make sure that that... that Hard rocking machine has the proper fuel mixture, which means that sometimes, yes, you have to put good things in there. <coughs> oh, God. You don't mean like kale, do you? Oh, no. Okay, good, good. Gosh, I'm talking about an apple or a pear or a banana, you know? 
I'm, natural sugars. I'm routinely concerned that if like anything healthy actually touches my system, it'll just kill me off from shock. Oh, yeah. Uh, or my retreat. Body my body won't know what to do with it. Immediately upon entry, yeah. Get no, me out of here! I, I want to wrap up the change it up part with one mention about a lower impact level of changing it up. Uh, and again, we have abutted this subject in the We've past. brushed up against it inappropriately in the close <laughs> quarters. <laughs> Or you might say jostled it. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Inside joke. Uh, well, in any case, <laughs> when you're in a lengthy campaign, and we have we've you know bumped up against this in the past, one of the things that helps is to have differing themes during different adventures. Uh, you know, whether it's going urban, uh, you know, going strictly outdoors, uh, murder mystery, uh, straight up fight, uh, unconventional siege. You know, there's so many different ways to enjoy a game of D&D or any RPG that you can shake it up without actually changing campaigns or changing games. It can yep. be done. And I highly recommend that because I am a big fan. Uh, I tried to plan that very lengthy campaign I had DM'd to have differing types of adventures. Some that were more exploratory in nature. Uh, you know, others that were much more combat heavy. And still others that were extremely social and investigative skill-based. Uh, never letting it stay exactly the same for more than a couple of months at a time. Uh, as soon as one arc would finish, the next one would be as different as I could make it uh, without going back to the same material. And that helped me a lot. Yeah, and that's really where I wanted to go with the Change It Up and Palette Cleanser. Palette Cleanser being a new game that you don't play often, but is quick to insert and run. And, of course, changing it up with what you're doing in the milieu is making sure that you're just not there doing the same grind dungeon crawl, throw it out, and then urban adventure. All your stuff gets stolen, and you're kidnapped by bandits and fight your way out. Yeah, it can happen. <laughs> <laughs> and so, by doing that thing, you change the expectations from one week to the next. And that's the big thing. So, moving on to the next one. Um, here's a good one. Return to material that inspires and excites you. Returning to the well. That is a big one that a lot of people have a hard time with. Because it means, well, returning to the well means changing it to something of nostalgia. Which, you know, nostalgia is poison. But, just like hope. It can be twisted around to become a liar delusion. Nostalgic is a potent force that reminds us of what we do this for in the first place. And yes, it is getting together to play pointy-eared little fiends, murder hobos, <laughs> roll funny-shaped dice, and laugh with friends. But in that, there is also great storytelling, and there's also games that sometimes resonate with people very well. Yeah. And that can be a very powerful tool to help guide you. Now, Dungeons & Dragons has endured for a number of years because of its easy appeal of exploration and confrontation. It's exciting and it's fun. But it also lends itself to different venues of expression. I think, uh, hmm, 
games like Call of Duty Loop focus primarily on investigative, but they can also be very, very combat-heavy at times, too, if you play it that way. <laughs> Terrifyingly now, so. Yes. Well, <laughs> fighting a bunch of uh, zombie, mindless zombies in the middle of a African valley in one of the scenarios, can and while fighting through ruins haunted by Migo, can be very, very combat-intensive. And, of course, Cthulhu is deadly. Yes, it is. But <laughs> yeah. played well and right. You know, when you have a Browning automatic rifle and a couple investigators with shotguns and they know how to use them right, you're talking about a different type of story and game here. And you've just changed it up. I think the returning to the material that excites and inspires you is important because if you play even stuff like superhero games or spy or espionage type games, top secret, always looms large in people's minds. And why is that? Well, it's not really a well-written game, and I'm not trying to dismiss it, but no. there's not a lot there to really give you the feel of classes. And they've had several incarnations, but that style, look to those early adventures that drew you in, that you played in. That's the material I'm talking about. Yeah, when we say, you know, return to material that inspires or excites you, uh, it's not merely nostalgia at play here. It is very much uh, the fire of inspiration that went off in your head at some point uh, in the in the campaign that you're playing, in the in the things that you create, uh, in the things that you show up at the table looking for, either as a DM or a player. Uh, nostalgia, some of it may be, but those parts which fueled the fire like you know like i would never have found this if it hadn't been for that mm -hmm. uh, if you had first contact with world of warcraft you know say for instance someone younger than than we and that was their first okay like, yeah that's a good that was comparison. their entry point uh and i'm not going to judge anybody else's entry point i'm not going to poo poo it or claim that that's not authentic well, yeah, yeah, you show up to gaming however you show up uh and like it's high fives all around man i'm, I'm glad you're here uh, but the point being that that moment of inspiration, that thing that filled your head with magic that just made you go, dude, this is just so freaking cool. I want to, I, I want to be at a gaming table and I, I want something that is reminiscent of this in my, well, my game. Go back to that, that thing that triggered that, you know, moment of explosive interest Return to it as often as needed. Right, Find and dopamine is not poisoning. It, that's the triggering excitement is a moment of discovery that is a reward. So don't let me talk you out of that too much because some people say when I poo-poo uh, uh, nostalgia overly, especially from the OSR perspective, I'm not trying to hammer people's fun. I'm trying to break people out of boxes that they find and construct themselves in. And they say that, oh, I, I seem to be losing my excitement. Yeah, because you can close yourself in. Break down those walls once in a while. Go do something else. Yeah, but here I am, you know, playing older games too. And, and exploring and, things right. adjacent to, like, your, your other interests. Like, I mean, if you were a huge fan of Star Trek, you should at least poke your nose into the Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica universe. Yeah, exactly. You know, there, there should be some kind of... Give and take. Don't don't just sit there as an absolutist going, you know, I will not dilute the purity of my Star Trek experience by subjecting my eyeballs to inferior product. You know, whoa. Oh, Colonel Ripper. 
All right there. Uh, you know, why don't you stick to the green alcohol there, Colonel Ripper? Uh, oh. <laughs> I think General Turgidson just called. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's coming with Captain Backbone. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> they're gonna have to fight this one out in front of the big board. But Gentlemen, yes, there's no fighting in oh, the war room. <laughs> That's gracious. <laughs> Can never. That movie never gets old. All right. I got it. I got in a dead milkman song and a Doctor Strange, Strange love, love quote in the same show. I'm yeah. feeling really freaking good today. Yeah, you're on part. <laughs> so. Yeah, return to the well and hit those things that uh, inspire you with a hammer and see if you can get some juice still out of it because I guarantee you if it excited you back when you were younger or initially helped you get in, it's still going to help you get through that tough time. So it helps you also bring your best because if you think about those things, always think about if this was my first game again or if this is my first time running this, how would I want to present this? And being your best when you come to the table with that is bringing your best. So be your best. All right. Yeah. So buzzwords aside, so we're just going to wrap it up here with this one should be obvious to a lot of people, but darn if it isn't followed through as much as you would think. So Yeah, you would hope that, I mean, I think everybody kind of intuitively knows this one already, but, but in the momentary crunch, people forget that your number one resource is your players. Okay, they they are uh, the diametric opposite side of the coin part of the gaming experience. There's the you know storyteller, and then there are the storyers. There are the participants uh, and the organizer. You know that uh, you find yourself embroiled in preparing material for regular games and sometimes you forget that you have a hidden resource to tap that was right there in front of you all along and we have advocated for this in the past uh going back to the players yeah and working with them to you know what can what do you guys think i can bring to this table that would shake it up change things up uh, and bring your, your interest because you'd be surprised by the wonderful ideas the players have uh, some of them mind you are less wonderful than others i get a plus in sword so yeah listening to your players that that is a good way to bring your best and also push you through some of the doldrums that you may be hitting because not all concepts and ideas should come directly from the dm yeah i you know the the dm is an orchestrator and an entertainer yeah. and an interpreter uh, a navigator, so to speak, but not necessarily like, you know, Il Duce, you know, Commandant Supreme. You know, like it, you don't have to be the wellspring from which all of this flows. Uh, that's sometimes more responsibility than any one person should have to bear. Yep. Uh, so having a really open, communicative relationship with your players and letting them provide you with inspiration where would you guys like to go next? You know, what, what oh, kind yeah, of... Oh, yeah, just listen to the talk between players. Um, you know, man, I wish we really had a... Like, I'd like to go to another city. Isn't there another city around here that we can sell some of this junk that we've been getting from? All right, sounds like a road trip. <laughs> and we're about to play a live-action version of Taipan. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, and so there you go. Right there off the bat, you've changed something up. And, you know, it's spurred you on and hopefully opened those floodgates of creative thought 
that had kind of maybe been bottled up or maybe felt stifled. And especially from a person who plays a lot of prepared material, I always like to, if I feel like I'm getting bored with the game, I just completely change things. I add a secondary entrance so that I can get to a, a more direct route to something that I feel is ancillary to the main plot line. Or I also tighten it up a little bit by going astray and creating my uh, own little uh, game that does it more succinctly. It summarizes much faster and puts it into a more straightforward event rather than a convoluted one. If I feel that the players are starting to wander a little bit and looking for the other things to do. Yeah. That's usually my uh, danger sign that I need to do that, and that's running prepared material. We've done a lot of palate cleansers over the years. Oh, yeah. Shake it up, like just play three, four sessions of something else and like get a feel for that, and then we come back to your big campaign. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a big thing. A lot thing. of fun stuff. Yeah, and it lets you have both. And also, we mentioned board games, although we have a harder time putting board games together and especially in this time sitting around a table together is a little bit more of a commodity than it is. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of nice uh, tools out there to get you to play uh, board games together. So pardon me. Um, please utilize those as well and don't limit yourself just to role playing games all the time too. Sometimes a really fun card game like five minute dungeon is just, it's howls of fun, and I'll just tell you this much, it doesn't take up much time, and boy, does it really help people unwind. Oh, and speaking of the forerunner of the, like, game skin or, you know, like, game plug-in, uh, you know, the, the fan version package. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the precursor to that was people altering board games, uh, tabletop board games, altering them with custom rules and custom concepts to take them out of their ordinary... Yeah, yeah, like, like Monopoly. And Axis and Allies. I mean, people have done crazy things. Oh, yeah, Axis and, and Zombies, yeah. Exactly. Uh, or Allies and Zombies, as it were. Yes. Where all the dead that are killed during an, a uh, combat resolution phase return. Yeah. Not the same, though. Yes, it's much harder to kill them permanently. Uh Oh, you, you can kill them, but they come back. And then you got to kill them for good, good. <laughs> Are they gone for real, real? Or, you know, not, no, not yet. Still, not yet. Still, nope, still they're still out around. there. Okay, we still got walkers. But yeah, those but yeah. those fan skins that uh, now have been embraced, like even like Risk God's War started yeah. out, I guess, from somebody's uh, idea, like we're playing gods of Risk. And like, okay, the Olympians versus the Norse, go. Yeah. Uh, Zeus versus Odin. Who's going to win? Oh, it's too close to call for me. It was a habit in in tabletop and board gaming that also made the transition into digital and became a facet of video games as we know them today. And I recommend doing exactly that. You know, take a game, turn it on its head. Uh, that special kudos to people like... Uh, oh, uh, the original cheap-ass games. Oh, uh, Kill Dr. Lucky. You know, this is a way Biting to shake off it up. heads on Volcano Island. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. Magnificent. Uh, the honey heist. Honey heist. Well, that that's a that's a one one page role playing game challenge that guy yeah. does. But you know, these are things that allow you to have a break from taking it seriously and to remember what it's like to to laugh more. And yeah. Enjoy. So, by all means, you know, keep yeah. it, keep it from being. You know, so somber and serious and sterile that, like, it 
the monoculture steals the fun. Yeah, it does. So bringing your best is is the mindset that you want to keep, especially when playing something that's brand new like that, or changing things up, keeping the routine from becoming a grind. Hey, that's all you need to do. And also listen to your players. And, you know, it shouldn't be common sense, but, you know, sometimes it's easy to lose because sometimes the crazy things players say, like, let's kill the merchant and take all his stuff. <sighs> I thought I was going to lead a campaign of epic heroes against the Dark Lord, but then I'm ending up running a campaign that's just ended up to send them to prison and to the executioner's block. Yeah, yeah. Now it's, you know... <laughs> Uh, Murder Hobo, the role-playing game, and it's an inevitable outcome of execution. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I There have been some other types of bonehead ploys by players, but uh, I, I got to say, some of them take the cake. So it, it doesn't necessarily always breed a trusting, open attitude by the DM. Yeah. Uh, but it, you got to overcome that and, and think to yourself, you know, it doesn't really shame me or take away from the mystery uh, to sit there and collaborate with your players because I mean they're all ideas people too they they have things that inspired them right they and and the mockery movies yeah the mockery uh, side or you know, of the trope of the murder hobo you can be selective in listening to things rather than just focusing in on some of the other narrative of the table that tends to burble out from underneath the voices of the players and their character sheets. So, yeah. So with that, we're going to wrap it up here. I think we well walked around that subject. And, of course, we had a little bit of a ramble at the first about the science fiction. So thank you, Jason, again for calling that. And also yeah. to our new followers, Shane, Charles, and at NPC, and DM Tom. And, of course, the Zone of Hot Truth. We followed you guys, and I listened to the first episode. So thanks a lot. Uh, we'll catch you soon, and... Without further ado, we're going to wrap it up here, so make sure you get a hold of us on Twitter or on our Facebook page. And, of course, we'll, as always, keep it real for you and keep coming with those uh, likes. Make sure that you favorite our podcast. Hit the favorite button. If you have to download the Anchor app, put it on your smartphone or other device. And Okay. Okay, yeah, keep going. But until next time, may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya. Thank you.